New York is one of the most photographed cities in the world. Just think about how many people you see snapping pictures in Times Square alone on any given day. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. On today's show, we're focusing, get it, focusing on photo taking in New York City, specifically through the lens, get it, through the lens? Okay, I promise I'm done with the puns. We're focusing on photo taking in New York City through the lens of two specific individuals. One who is no longer with us, but left a significant mark on the world of photography, as well as in other areas, including women's rights. More on Alice Austin, one of the nation's earliest and most prolific female photographers and a native Staten Islander, coming up on Cityscape. She started off, you know, really with what she knew, which was photographing her family and her friends and her home. And her home is now the Alice Austin House Museum. But first, my interview with photographer Harvey Stein a guy who's been shooting in the streets of New York City since John Lindsay was mayor. Stein's got several books under his belt. His latest is called Briefly Seen, New York Street Life, which includes photographs taken between 1974 and 2014. Harvey, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Good to be here. So how long have you been photographing in New York City? Uh, I started photographing in New York around 1970. Are you a native New Yorker? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I came to New York to go to Columbia Graduate School of Business, and I got an MFA in 68 and worked, lived in New York from, I've lived in New York since 1966, actually, coming to to grad school. And then I uh, lived here and got a job in New Jersey and commuted to Jersey, but I always lived here. Uh, while working in Jersey for a couple of years. Then I worked here for a couple of years in marketing and advertising, hated it all, gave it up, and became a photographer. Were you taking photographs prior to that recreationally? Yes. I, I started, I got my first camera when I was stationed in Europe, in Germany, in the American Army. I was on a, a base where there was a, a dark room of, of all things, to keep the troops quiet, I guess, or happy. And I bought a German camera. Zeiss Icon was my first camera, and I started shooting. And that grew and grew and grew, and I loved it. And uh, But then I came back to the States and started working. I didn't love work, love photographing on the streets of New York uh, in the early 70s, late 60s, the be-ins, the love-ins, the anti-war demonstrations. I shot all of that. And I just said, what the heck am I wasting my time working in an office so I could be out of shooting and having fun, you know, and meeting people and stuff. So, What are you hoping to capture when you're out there on the streets of New York City? Uh, you know, I'm not looking to capture what I think. I don't have anything in mind to capture something. It's not about the... It is about the moment, but for me, it's also about how I express myself, and um, I'm drawn to unusual or strange situations or people. I'll I'll do the normal dog and tree on the street, but, you know, I'm looking to photograph people close up, uh, make a connection with them, talk to them often. You wouldn't know that from my latest book, but from my, my previous books— my street photography is one in which I try to collaborate with my subjects and go up to them and 
gain their confidence and photograph them. The last book, though, is more candid. I was going to uh, say, that being said, do you ask them to pose for you? Sometimes, yeah. I'll, I'll pull them out or pull them off to the side and to get a better uh, background or foreground and location and and chat with them. I met my former wife on the street doing that. Did I you met, really? I did. It didn't work out. <laughs> it was lasted a couple of years, but... We met in the park while I was photographing. I went up to her, and she was with a girlfriend, and I photographed her. We started talking. One thing led to another. So um, I love the activity of the street. Um, I love uh, the challenge. It's very challenging. I think the hardest thing in photography to do, the, the hardest thing is to, go, is to photograph strangers with their permission. Cand- I feel sometimes when I'm shooting candidly, when they don't know I'm photographing them. It's a little sneaky mm-hmm. and uh, voyeuristic, maybe. So the, for me, the real challenge is to go up to someone, uh, get them to say yes. And sometimes that's easy and they love it. And sometimes it's they say no and you're rejected and that's cool, too. And sometimes you have to talk them into it, and I like doing that also. Most so. of the photos in this latest book, which is called Briefly Seen, seem to be candid. They Am are. I right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. They're quick, they're candid, and I, I've, my last book was is, uh, Harlem Street Portraits, where I was in Harlem for 20-some years photographing, where I would go up to people and get their permission. So I've I've done that, and I did that in lots of my books, but uh, so I... I guess I set out to be more candid in this this body of work to change a little to be a little work a little differently and indeed I'm in crowds all the time this book is basically in midtown Manhattan and downtown but 80% midtown where there's crowds and tourists and I teach at the International Center of Photography which is at 43rd and 6th Avenue so uh I'm right in the middle of it all almost two, three days a week, and the crowds are amazing. And then I do go to parades and events, and there's crowds, and I don't shoot the parade so much or the event, but the the peripheral, the the side, the sidewalks off the parade where mm-hmm. there's crowds. And I, I just found I was getting some really interesting, spontaneous, of-the-moment shots. And I wanted to reflect kind of the the busyness, the anxiety, the joy, the craziness of the streets. This book features images of the Easter Parade in New York right. City, of the Gay Pride Parade right. in New York City. Right, probably the Puerto Rican Parade, the uh, Israeli Day Parade. I mean, I I do go to uh, a lot of events. And, and in New York, in Manhattan, uh, there's parades every... There could be four parades on a, in a, on a spring day that's... Uh, or weekend, and and so I haunt those. The um, book spans decades, nineteen seventy four yes. to two thousand fourteen. Forty years. So uh, I guess I've all along been shooting this way, all uh, as well as my collaborative, confrontational portraits of people on the street. And the way I work is I work long term. So my all my books, my uh, I did a book Coney Island forty years. So that's forty years. I'm working on a book Coney Island fifty years. Hmm. That would be 2020 uh, if I last that long, which I hope I will and I think I will. Uh, 
so my I, I my first couple of books were six years each. I did a ten year book on Italian street life and. When I was in Italy, uh, just about every year. For... Are you always thinking book in yes. your mind? You are. I mm-hmm. I, I think uh, book is the uh, utmost thing that I can do. It's the pinnacle, the peak. Putting together 150 photographs on a theme concisely that builds to not a message but to a feeling and a mood and a an experience maybe that I'm I'm putting the viewer into that they would not otherwise have. I've been shooting for about 45 years now, since about 1970, and I've done seven books. So I've had 80 shows. I've I've been in countless magazines. The Another hardest thing to do in photography is to get a book published. Mm-hmm. And not that you publish it, but you get some publisher to do it. So... It makes sense. Uh, you don't want to take money out of your pocket. But the trend these days is that publishers are asking photographers to help pay the rent for the books, and I resist that mightily so far. Yeah. This book features a photo of a younger Donald Trump. Donald Trump, Trump yes, yeah. yes. I, I recognize him right away. I think that was 20, 25 years ago. It, it was a street event. I can't recall what it was, and he was there. He was maybe a sponsor. It might have had to do with children. And he had some uh, bodyguards around him, which they're in the photograph in the little bit of the background. And I was able to just walk right up to him. I don't recall talking to him. He was there and I photographed him. I have Cardinal, the current Cardinal. It's not Cook. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Cook. I have some... You know, every once in a while you run into a celebrity on the street. I haven't seen Woody Allen on the street. And I'm not, I don't care about that. But, you know, my, my approach is mostly toward everyday people. I have yeah. to say a lot of people in this book seem tired. Yes. They seem haggard. Yes, yes. I think this book is a little bit of a dark look at the uh, activity of the street. Like, we, what are we doing here? Why are we caught in this crowd? It's the end of the day. I do a lot. A third of the photographs are, are at night. I'm using flash. I'm using low angle, wide angle lenses. Um, I'm making it look a little, not fearful, but there's an anxiety. And I want that to come across because we are tired and we are hassled. And a lot of people feel hemmed in and claustrophobic about the streets. And I want to, I wanted to give that feeling to the city. It's a look of, uh, of, at, at New York that maybe, um, in the past, especially this is through the 80s and 90s when New York and 70s when New York wasn't uh, in as good shape as it is now. And a lot of people say, oh, how could you live in New York? I got that a lot. I would never live in New York. I'd never come to New York. So I wanted to give that little feel to it, too. That yeah. being said, a lot of these images are timeless. I couldn't yes. tell you what was 1974 right. and what was 2014. Right. I purposely d- do not... I don't title it, what am I going to say, people on Fifth Avenue, people on, you know, Sixth Avenue. Uh, and I don't want to put dates to it because I want it to sort of look like it's all, it could be all one week or one season or one year. I don't, I don't, I mean, I know the dates, but I didn't think I wanted it. And I didn't put the dates on there. And I agree with your statement, Definitely. So give me a sense of how you work. You're walking mm-hmm. down the sidewalk, just taking photographs randomly. Well, I have two uh, 
two cameras. I have uh, they're they're fil- By the way, this is all film. We did scan the films, and then uh, it's it's produced digitally. The book, and I think it looks really rich and deep and dark. I wanted the prints, the printing, to look a little dark. Uh, to add to the theme, so I'm, I have two cameras, uh, two M4s, Leicas. They're the ultimate in street photography cameras. I would say they're small, quiet, unobtrusive. I don't mind people seeing me. I'm not trying to hide, and the cameras are on my shoulders usually, and I can bring them up to my eye really quickly. And I'm walking, and walking through the crowds, and and I'm looking for individuals on the side of buildings also and um i know where to go where there i'm not going to go to central park to shoot this because it's too open and not crowded so i know to go to i have a favorite corner fifth avenue and 57th street uh where the trump tower is where tiffany's is it's a big broad sidewalk and there's lots of people coming and going in one place so some of them are downtown like i i photographed in the chinese uh Parade, New Year's Parade, mm-hmm. which is coming up now. So I would, uh, I would shoot in locations where I knew there would be crowds at least forming, or usually there, five o'clock, six o'clock, work time, getting off work, and just walk th- into the crowds and be in the crowd. I want to be in the crowd and that close. I'm three feet, four feet away. I zone. I do a technique called zone focusing where. I set the aperture and then the focus um, on that aperture, and it gives me a almost like an infinite depth of field. So, so I want um, focus, but I I don't mind blur and to represent the people moving and walking. I wanted to show the movement and the um, kind of the yeah the the uh, again the ang- anxiety of the street more than. Anything else is what I was setting out to do. Have you ever encountered any confrontation with someone on the street who didn't want you to yeah, take their photograph? I've had people put their hand out in front of the camera, and I say, great, do that. It's exactly what I want. And they get pissed at me because they don't want me to be happy because <laughs> I'm photographing. And I'll shoot that. But I've never been struck or threatened uh and when I photograph people one on one, I go up to them in a nice way. I compliment them, so I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not. I'm aggressive, but I'm not f- frightening on the street. So uh, I I know people that photographers that have gotten into some trouble. I've had. I've been asked to delete a picture here or there when I've shot with my digital camera. Usually, a parent uh, asking me that of. When I shot a kid, and I'll do that certainly, yeah. But no, I'm I've been pretty lucky, I think. And I wear sneakers so I can run fast. <laughs> yeah, I can still move. How, if at all, has being a street photographer changed in New York City mm. from the '70s until now? Well, I've been asked that quite a bit these days. The biggest thing is, uh, it you can't find a person. You can't find a scene without people's heads looking down into their their cell phones, and that does not make a good photograph. So uh, that's one thing that kind of ruins sometimes the visual quality of your well, what you're trying to do. Also, people are more aware of being photographed. They ask about the Internet. How are you going to use this? What are you going to do with it? And I say nothing, and it's film, and I'm not putting this online or anything. And Generally, that's true that uh, I shoot a lot and 
if I'm lucky, 1% of anything I ever photograph sees the light of day. And often I don't know what I'm going to do with the photographs. I'm just, I set out just photographing for myself, and then the projects evolve. And even if I'm shooting f for a project in mine, that picture, that situation may not make the grade. So, But that's different. Uh, people are more reluctant, maybe, or more skeptical or suspicious. Um, I think it's very hard to do street photography in New York City. I'm going to India in a few days. I've been there twice. 99% of the people like being photographed there. They ask to be photographed here. I'd say 50% of the people you ask will say no. 50% will say yes. So that we learn not to take rejection personally because we'd be very sad if we did. Was 9-11 uh, also a game changer yes. for you? Yeah, 9-11... Uh, you know, street photography was not looked upon as being very important before that, or it's run its course in, in art galleries and in the art world, photography world. Oh, you're a street photographer. It doesn't, that's been done for 150 years. That's old news. 9 11 came along, and I think, you know, there was a book produced by um, Magnum photographers. Powerhouse uh, produced it, the publisher. They they put it out in three months after the 9-11 uh, attack, and it sold close to 500,000 copies. And it put street photography back on the map as being a valid, a genuine, um, important way of photographing. And I think now there's more street photographers than ever. The issue is how do you do it a little differently than everyone else? So that's a, a struggle because there's a generic look to street photography. My approach has been to do street photography, again, not candidly, but more one-on-one -on -one and photographing in an interesting way people who I think look interesting. They don't, they don't have to be beautiful or bad-looking or whatever, just interesting-looking or they're doing interesting things. With the new book, with Briefly Seen, it, it goes back to more traditional ways of shooting. But I do use flash and low angles and grain and movement. So hopefully it's a little different than what's been out there before. And your latest book is Briefly Seen, New York, New York. Street Life. Harvey right. Stein, thank you so much for coming. Thank in. you. Thanks for having me. This is Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Her life reads like something straight out of a Hollywood screenplay. Alice Austin was one of the nation's earliest female street photographers. She was born and raised on Staten Island. The home in which she spent most of her life is now a museum that tells her story, as well as features rotating photography exhibits and other events. The director of the Alice Austin House joins me now on the phone. Janice Monger, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. You're welcome. I'm pleased to be here talking with you. So who was Alice Austin? Well, that's a complicated question. Alice Austin was really an incredible woman and an early American street photographer, really. She was one of the first women that went outside the confines of the studio and out onto the streets to shoot photographs in the Victorian era. So she was really a woman ahead of her time in a lot of different ways. She grew up in a pretty interesting household, and she forged her own path um, at a time when 
there were a lot of constraints for women in the Victorian era, um, but she was given a camera very early on and around age 10 by one of her uncles, and she pursued photography very seriously and was quite accomplished at a fairly early age. Essentially, um, she was self-taught, right, Janice? Yeah, effectively. Um, so her uncle Oswald um, was a sea captain and um, had his route as the Orient and uh, brought back a camera for Alice to use. So he did have some knowledge. And then her other uncle, uh, Peter, was a chemist. So um, it's presumed that, you know, he was able to help with some of the chemical processes in the dark room. But, yeah, she was really self-taught. She didn't attend schooling um, for the photography. And she pursued it very, very seriously um, with her photographs, we have envelopes for the glass plate negatives that she took detailed notes on. So she really recorded the time of day, the weather, the lens she was using, the exposure time. So she she took the technical craft very seriously. What did she photograph primarily? So there's a wide range of her photographs. First of all, she was very prolific. She took more than 7,000 photos um, in her lifetime. And a lot of those were glass plate negative um, film, and then in, she moved into film. But she started off, you know, really with what she knew, which was photographing her family and her friends and her home. And her home is now the Alice Austin House Museum, and it itself is architecturally very interesting and has a long history dating back to a one-room Dutch farmhouse from around 1690, and in its present form is a Victorian Gothic cottage. So it's very beautiful waterfront grounds at the entrance to New York Harbor. So, you know, even that venue offered her a lot to photograph. So she really started out with what she knew, but then she photographed, you know, around Staten Island. She photographed early tennis playing. Um, tennis was actually introduced to the United States through Staten Island, and so she played tennis very, very early on in the sports history in the United States and tried to capture that motion. And then later, she really, um, she would take her bicycle, she also was an early woman's bicyclist, and take the ferry into Manhattan, and she took photographs of immigrants and working-class people on the streets of Manhattan. She really was... Uh, sort of an early photojournalist before that really was a term, but she captured a lot of events, um, a crave for Dewey and the aftermath of fire in Hoboken. So she really was quite adventurous in, in what she captured. I guess in many um, ways, too, she was capturing the humans of New York long before the humans of New York was a project, right? She was capturing exactly. street life, real you people. definitely say that. A hundred years ago, she was photographing humans of New York. Um, that included, um, you know, shoeshine boys and newspaper sellers and organ grinders and um, ragmen and, you know, every kind of walk of life. And she was doing this as sort of a privileged uh, a Victorian woman. Um, the other major series that she did was over the course of about 10 years, she documented the quarantine stations that were on Hoffman and Swinburne Islands, which are two islands off of the shore of Staten Island, where, uh, you know, immigrants entering the U.S. were held if they were suspected of having contagious disease. And she was asked by the public health service doctor to go and, and document that, and then she continued that work. So it was sort of risky work for her. 
but you know, it was a project that she felt was very important and she documented long term. As far as the street photography that she did, was she doing it purely as a recreational thing or was she doing it to make money? Well, that's a really interesting aspect of of looking at Alice Austin's life. And actually, we have brought together some scholars um, through a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities to help the museum look at some of these issues. And this was one of the subjects that we talked about a lot because there's this sort of idea of, you know, amateur versus professional photography. And I guess technically she was an amateur in that she, you know, did not work for hire. She did not make a lot of money doing what she did. However, she really treated her craft as a professional. So I I don't, I wouldn't say it's a recreation, although she did, you know, I mean, she just enjoyed taking pictures, um, which you can tell um, from her work. And she, would compile, like, personal photo albums for her friends and, and such. But then she did um, register a number of her photographs um, in the Library of Congress for, for copyright, and she produced a series called The Street Types of New York, so getting to your Humans of New York reference, mm-hmm. that was published in 1896 by the Albert Type Company, um, which was a company sort of known for producing, like, travel postcards and such. So there was definitely a serious pursuit there. And she was at least initially paid for the quarantine work as well. So there are, you know, venturing into professional territory, but for the most part, um, she did it for herself. It was her self-expression. Um, it was her passion. and But she created a body of work that's really important and captures a changing New York around the turn of the 20th century. She came from a wealthy family, but yet the 1929 stock market crash, they lost it all, huh? Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely a very tragic and difficult period in Alice Austin's life. So she grew up privileged, and, and she described her own life as the larky life for a long time. She didn't really have to worry about finances, and she was able to you know, take on some of these pursuits and, and leisure time pursuits because of um, the, you know, the, the stability that her, her family had. Um, and she lived in the family home growing up. But then she was with a partner, Gertrude Tate, for about 50 years. They lived together um, at the Austin family home for 30 of those years. And yes, in 1929, you know, a lot of the family money was in stocks and, and they lost a lot of the money. So from that point till towards the end of her life, it was really making ends meet. And unfortunately, in 1945, Alice and Gertrude were evicted from the family home because they could no longer make the, the payments to stay there. And one has to understand that she lived in this house for 78 years. So this, you know, it was really her world. And this was a very tragic thing to have happen and, you know, could have actually resulted in the fate of the house being demolished. But um, there was later a group of preservationists that rallied to, to save the house and have it be protected as a landmark and, um, how New York City purchased the land. But for Alice and Gertrude, um, they moved into an apartment briefly, and then Gertrude went to live with her family, and Alice ended up actually declaring an oath of poverty and 
was in the Staten Island Farm Colony, the Porter House here on Staten Island. And she was there until there was a historian that sort of uh, rediscovered her photos that had been taken for safekeeping at the Staten Island Historical Society because the rest of her possessions she sold off to effectively what I think she thought was maybe an antique dealer, but that was more of a junk dealer. And um, so a lot of her things we don't have, but fortunately the main body of her photographs were saved. And at that point they tried to raise the money to get her into a private nursing home, which they did right at the end of her life. And she actually had a feature in Life magazine in September 1951 of her photographs and revealing this story of this important photographer. Was she also living as an openly gay individual at that time? Yes, effectively. I mean, Alice and Gertrude were a couple. They would not necessarily have referred to themselves as lesbians, but they were together and built a life together for 30 years, and, and that was known. So I don't know how outspoken they were, but it was no secret that Alice and Gertrude lived together and and were a couple for many, many years. And that also, I think, is a story that's really important for today to show that there's historical examples of relationships that for the time were outside the norm, and we're still working on tolerance and acceptance today. So I have emphasized that part of the story to help us today and, you know, give today's LGBT community insights into the historical relationship that should matter to everyone. Janice, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Janice Monger is the director of the Alice Austin House on Staten Island. More info at aliceaustin.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Claire Drake. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.